Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway, joined as always by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk. We're back. Yeah, let's do it. I'm <laughs> After a hiatus, you won't even notice because we're so good at this job. So go ahead and subscribe to our Patreon account. At, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Oceanic Airlines, flying over the world's most treacherous oceans. Join Oceanic's Tailies Budget Travel Program, Tailies. You may be in the back of the plane, but hey, that's the safest part. Visit OceanicAirlines.com for more information. Well, this week, guys, we're doing, a, you know, to fill the time in quarantine, we're going to, we, we did our, another Just Effing Watch It Challenge, part two of this. You know, we had such a good time doing it last time where we assigned each other movies to watch that were, we decided to do it again. We talked about it on one of the podcasts. Um, Lee, you assigned... Jeremy Rambo First Blood, or I guess as it was known, First Blood, but maybe no now known as Rambo First Blood. Um, Jeremy assigned me Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon. Uh, apropos of our conversation on the usual suspects, and I assigned Lee Danny Boyle's Sunshine, written by Alex Garland, who directed last time's pivotal film from this series. Annihilation. So who wants to start, guys? This is a pretty casual little thing. Um, what do you guys think? Super cash. Chilled out. Uh, well, I think I think we should maybe end with with Kurosawa. How about that? Work our way up to that. Great. Uh, a sophisticated... So should we start with Rambo? <laughs> I think we should start with Rambo. First Let's use the sophisticated we'll start name with for it. We'll start with First Blood, um, which I challenged to Jeremy. Which um, I appreciated, Lee, I gotta say. Because I'm like, this'll be, this'll be fun. This'll be a fun movie. To, like, I wasn't like, oh, I gotta... I gotta do it. I know I gotta do it. It's a, it's like, ooh, right. when when can I, you know, get to put on first blood? Because it's been a blind spot of mine, and I know, really, honestly, the reason I want to see is because I know you two love it so much, and I hate to not be a part of stuff. So <laughs> when you guys talk about it, obviously, I want to have uh, or partake in those conversations. So I was very excited what? to see it, but I was also worried that it was gonna be exactly what it kind of was and i wasn't gonna be able to get that excited about it so that was sort of my big reservation about seeing it to begin with because these sort of action movies for me although fun i guess i just i there's nothing that attaches me to them there and and i kind of felt that way with first blood i mean i didn't i never was bored i never was like oh when's this going to be over but by the end of it i was like yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was. Well, it's funny. Can I give a little back? Can I just give a little background real quick on why me yeah. and Chapin? Thank you. Really love this movie. So it really it began when when he and I lived together in L.A. and we went to see uh, what I guess is just called Rambo, right? Which was the the first um, the first edition post. Stallone's 70th birthday or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, the, it's, te- it's technically the fourth movie. It's the fourth movie, and I think it's just called Rambo, right? Correct. Um, and we went to see it at the at the 
Cinerama Dome at the Arclight, which for anybody who doesn't <laughs> nice. know is just this enormous theater. Um, and the arc light, of course, in is, movies. I think I think you, they yeah. showed it in Once Upon a Time. It's, and... Yeah, you see it in the credit sequence of uh, Entourage, uh, or you see the outside of it at least. And anyway, you know, state of the art theater, but this just enormous place. And we like we wanted to see it there because we wanted to just get this like immersive action movie experience. And the movie was mm. just absolutely mm. bonkers. And we had this guy behind us that was just like so energetic. Like, just loving it, laughing, like, talking along with the movie, cheering Rambo on, and it was just such an amazing movie-watching experience that we went back and we we got First Blood on Blu-ray and watched it at our apartment, and ever since then, we've sort of just had this relationship with the Rambo movies. I've never even seen First Blood Part 2 and Part 3, so full disclosure, I've only seen First Blood and now Rambo, and I've seen Last Blood. I don't know if Chapin's caught up yet. I think it's um, called Rambo 3. It's not called Rambo Part 3. It's just Ra- Rambo the, the, 3. Oh, gotcha. The, the, uh, the, it's, the, it's the sequel is called Rambo. Two. It's called Rambo. The first one's called First Blood. This one's called Rambo. The second one's called Rambo First Blood Part 2. The third one is just called Rambo 3. And then <laughs> the fourth then one is Rambo. called Rambo. And then the, the, the last one is called Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> So, All right, so if, you, if you've kept up, but I want to also say why I, yeah. the other reasons I wanted Jeremy to watch this and really kind of for yeah. us all to review this. This movie is directed by Ted Kocheff, um, who I don't, I don't know a lot about. I mean, he's a eighties director. He's got a couple other credits that you'd recognize. Um, he directed, uh, weekend at Bernie's thing like, so, but nothing that you're, you know, going to be like, Oh, Ted Kocheff film. And, I was curious, me and Chapin have this sort of like fun, ironic relationship with these movies, but I was curious about this movie. It has a 61 on Metacritic, and really underneath it all, underneath the reputation of Rambo, it's about a Vietnam vet coming home and trying to acclimate to society, and he's sort of um, neglected by everyone as you kind of infer at the beginning of this movie a lot of the people he was he served with have have died and a lot of uh, a lot of them from complications from being in vietnam and then this movie launches into what what we know it to be and and we'll get into that but i was curious about this movie as as exploring that theme of of you know the, the veterans coming home, the PTSD. We've talked about it with movies like The Deer Hunter. We've explored this subject. So I was curious where this might fit, if it could fit, if it belonged in the conversation. Doesn't sound like Jeremy's going to give it that much credit, but... Um, it try- the, the, the problem with it is it tries to do that. It tries to have that anchor of the Vietnam vet and like his, he went to go visit his buddy who his buddy had died from agent orange years later. He was the last remaining person he knew from that platoon (laughs) other than the commander who shows up to, you know, help negotiate the whole thing later on, which is just ridiculous. But anyhow, cause he trained him, he trained him. He knows what he, (laughs) he could do. Um, but you see, Jeremy, you're, you're, you are. You're getting there. You're gonna Again have fun there. with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It is. It is relatively fun. But you know, I think it would be more fun watching it with you guys. Um, you know, Couple having a lot. Sure. Having a lot of whiskeys. Some burgers. Just, some beers. 
and just laughing about it. Well, you know what's funny is I think this more structurally fits the uh, const- the the construction of a of a western. You know the 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 loner rolls into town. Yeah. The sheriff stops him, kicks him out. Come guy comes back. You know, like there is that veteran feel to it, but it does have. You know, that's why I kind of responded to it is it's got that you know small just town feel and it, well also because it's Oregon. Well, it's it's Washington, but yeah. Oh, it is. Well, it's it British Oregon. Columbia, but it's supposed to be Washington. Oh, gotcha. But it's right, um, right, ab- right. Yeah, because Portland is in the yeah, it's in the north of Oregon. So, because they mention Portland, right? He's headed to Portland. Well, yeah, and he tells me to go south to Portland. Right. Yeah. Just get out. Doesn't so, matter. I I think I agree with you, Jeremy, on what this movie is, but only really the final act. I actually think that this has a pretty nicely structured story from. The opening, you learn about John Rambo, his past, what what he's lost, wanders into town, you know, gets into kind of a uh, an issue with the law enforcement there and is arrested and then escapes. Ooh, basically, disagreements. Basically as a result of kind of his PTSD. He's flashing as he's as he's being but that's, kind of that's the part it's I just can't I so, can't do i'm not sure that stuff works but just structurally it gets us 20 minutes into this movie he's in the jungle he's in the woods and he the chase is on well here's the other here's the other problem stuff works the other problem is it doesn't have sort of a uh, emotional connection so you look at a movie like Hmm. die hard or if you want to take a western even like unforgiven or something where the, the loner moves into town there's some sort of emotional connection of why they have to do what they're doing for 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 rambo it's just because they decided to mistreat him because he's an out of towner um and there's no there's nobody sort of nobody or no reason or really anything other than this one sheriff is a total dickhead but you don't think that connects you to rambo like i i kind of like the i think stallone's really good in this movie he i don't i think it's really this, bad like, oh come I think on it's really bad in this there's movie. this is like this but this, in the like, same way this movie is bad like it like in a fun sort of laughable oh, see, way i disagree i think he's good in the same way he's good in rocky like he's, no he's, no way no way he has rocky, this soft-spoken works it's like note to him he's quiet he hasn't done anything wrong no, I, I there's love a, that scene there's a at the scene beginning where he where... breaks down with this uh, commander, yeah, and it's so bad. I had to turn that's the subtitles great. on for that because I could not understand a word he was <laughs> That's not he's great. Really... But the scene at the beginning when he when Brian Dennehy is giving him a hard time, he he's just like, "Why why are you bothering me?" Like I think it's very convincing, and and because Dennehy's character, he's the sheriff, is such a dick for no reason. You're forced to root for Rambo. You have a rooting interest, and of I think course. that's an, of I think that's enough. For I do think it's, yeah, it's interesting. That's that simple enough. This film, I mean, by sheer chance, sort of, we're watching it during this period of you know questioning of cops. Yeah, and yeah, right. The 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 power. How do you know that's not brutality. why I picked it? Well, maybe I, I did, maybe you I did. did wonder whether, like, imagine if Carl Weathers played that role yeah 
like, of the, Rambo? The thought, yeah, the thought process now. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. They, they would have just killed him. <laughs> well, true. they try. They would try. Um, yeah, but that's because you know, for those of for those who have it, aren't up on First Blood, um, it, it's he. You know, he's run out of town for no good reason. To the point where I was like, that was a little bit like their behavior in the in the um, police station where they you know strip search him, shoot him with water, you know shoot a water yeah. cannon at him, beat him a Classic little bit. Classic David Caruso performance. Yeah, that <laughs> stuff is believable. But I, I didn't quite understand why Dennehy had such a grudge against Rambo when he when he ran into the town. I mean that was a little that part of it was a little strange. But I mean yeah, I mean it, this this movie touches on this idea of police power and brutality in a way that you know, feels pretty relevant nowadays and, and feels kind of prescient, but, but, you know, I don't know that it speaks to the quality of the movie. It, it's just the function of driving Rambo into the woods. So they have to, right. You know, search him out. And that's, and, like how, and that happens, easy... that's 20 minutes into the movie and we're there. And I think if you strip the whole thing down, once we're in the woods, like that's what this movie is, is like Rambo surviving and sort of this, like, you know, super soldier trained way that we enjoy watching it's it's the end when he gets back into town and just like torches the city that i that's where it lost me and that's where i like the what jeremy was describing at the beginning where it's just it loses kind of the oh this is fun to watch and goes into like this is just ridiculous now now we're first we were questioning why Dennehy was being such a dickhead. Now we're questioning why Rambo has gone literally right. off the deep end. Right, and so <laughs> and that's like, what that's why I think it speaks to Jeremy's comment about S- Stallone's performance. I I think Stallone handles the stuff fine, but you don't buy that he's like this. I mean, the only explanation for him, you know, returning to the town and just blowing everything up is that. He's got a serious case of PTSD, which they've established early on in the movie, but it and not particularly well. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't play that very well. Like you don't get the sense you get the sense you know. that he's on a mission as opposed to you know just just out of control. Right. And the movie does that sort of seventies thing of leaving you a little bit on a downer ending. What do you guys think? You mean like that he just gets arrested? Basically? Well, he just gets arrested. He's you know, and like, I mean, the, the, well, you don't even need to really see him get arrested. His his commander kind of walks him out of the yeah out of the station. Um, yeah, and and look, I I actually am I'm with you guys on on that aspect of Stallone's performance too. The PTSD, you know, his speech with his commander, all that stuff. I don't think works as well. I but so I much really relies like on that. You're right. You're right. I really like him at the beginning of this movie. I think, I think you understand him really well because he doesn't say anything for the first thirty minutes. Yes, but that's fine. That's a performance. Like, look, I mean, it's a good performance until he opens his mouth. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've been there. We've seen that. It's a good performance until he opens his mouth. Get you film fix podcast. (laughs) It's a good podcast until they start talking. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, I wanted to enjoy it more. I wanted to have that experience where I was just like, this is fun. I'm having fun. But I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there because there's the There's a lot PTSD, of things out of place, too. Like, what? The, there's a lot of things out of place. They're like, the car chase in this movie 
It's uh, pretty, he's on the it's motorcycle. Pretty awesome, but it is out but of place. But they're like they're like jumping, like jumps the the car. Ju- they have that low yeah. angle. And how shot easily the they could just get a helicopter there. I mean, this is bumfuck nowhere, and they're just like get a, get the helicopter here. I thought those sequences yeah, like, were really well handled, though. For I, th- yeah. I love how the stuff shot in the woods. Like all that yeah. stuff. That location is amazing. It's so rich. Like it's it's so good, and. Like that's that that scene with the helicopter is really good. It is good. It's well. It's really well done. Um. And what about Danahy, guys? I think he's really good in this movie. Yeah, I I've always like him. liked him. He's fine. It's such an <laughs> easy Jeremy. performance. You're it's out. So e- You're out. <laughs> it's it's so easy to be a like a grumpy old man and just be like, ah, get out of here, you hippie. Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's a good thing he wasn't bad then, if it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, he's not bad. He works. <laughs> well, Jeremy, you got to talk to us more about why you didn't like this then. I mean, I feel like that was it. I just, I, I mean, the the basically the bottom line is I just didn't, I, I didn't get the excitement. I didn't have the like, oh, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. I, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it enough, but I wasn't like, oh, this is the campiness didn't outweigh the badness in a way that made it work see i don't know that first blood has campiness i don't i think i think the other ones do i think the i mean it depends how you define camp you know like you you, do you like it just because it's you can enjoy it with friends that campiness like then yes it has that but you know rambo four and Last Blood, the, those are the ones that are just like, this is so ridiculous that I can't, and I can't shut it off. First, <laughs> mm-hmm. first, first Blood isn't that. First Blood, that's I think. That's what I wanted. I think that's what I wanted. So, okay, so next, next challenge, I have to give you Last Blood because, first of all, that <laughs> shouldn't be a challenge movie. That's just something, I mean, that's something everybody should have already seen. What? Last Blood. Yeah. Apparently there's a director's cut now, and I just don't know where to find it. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but but here's a question for you guys: If you hadn't had that that theatrical experience you had, I think um, I'd feel similarly to you. Without, yeah. but without the expectation that you had of like, you know, me and Chapin's enjoyment of Rambo. Right. You may have enjoyed this more because you kind of were looking for this extra element of like irony that you could enjoy along with it right if you're not looking for that then i think you you take it a little bit more face value and it's better it's still not great but it's fun with that it it is yeah if it had that irony it's fun with that sort of extra cleverness but it never had that sort of extra cleverness it was just like you've it's literally you've messed with the wrong guy and that sort of will go from there and there's i want a little of those, more a ton of those movies from the 80s i mean obviously like a lot of charles bronson movies um the death wish movies and like obviously all the ram and like it's certainly a a theme like and it also like coincides mm-hmm. with like sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger and and jean-claude van damme steven seagal like like these this like 80s action hero that was just a, a genre essentially in the 80s and i i haven't seen a lot of those movies but i have to think that first blood is one of the better movies of that you may group. not be wrong about that 
So you may not be wrong. I mean, the thing about the Arnold stuff, like of the stuff I've seen, like I've never seen um, Predator. Right? He did Predator. God, I um, challenge. That's your next challenge. Yeah, I've never seen Predator. I've seen like True Predator, Lies, but... which I really enjoy. Obviously, Terminator movies are elevated. I don't count, but the Cameron movies don't count. Like that's. Those aren't 80s action hero movies, I don't think. But, like, Predator and, like, Commando and, like, those movies. Yeah, Commando. All those stuff I haven't seen. So, I guess this is sort of my blind spot. You're not macho enough, Jeremy. That's clearly. So <laughs> like I'm going to go watch Superbad. What's wrong with Superbad? Nothing. I love Superbad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a different... Um, all right. Well, Lee, Lee, you got to tell us. Why do you love this? Why did you assign it? I told you I signed it. Like I, I just wanted Jeremy to be able to join the group with Rambo. I still want to encourage him to watch Rambo Four and Last Blood. Just that'll give him the camp he's looking for. I think I might watch that um, tonight. But I, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I was curious. I was curious myself going into this, looking at the the PTSD nature of this movie, like that aspect. Is that is there anything there? Does that work, or is it? Because I just remembered this movie for you know, goes in the woods and fights off the cops that are harassing him. Yeah, it's really and I was simple. Curious, I was curious if there was more. And there's there's not a lot. They try. I'm, I didn't need a lot more, but I think it had those... I need a little more. Had those pieces been better, this is a, a much better movie for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, I, don't, it's I, interesting I don't even know I don't, if I needed more. It's interesting because this is... Like, Rambo is like... I feel like the aesthetic is kind of a hangover from the seventies. You know, you got that kind of old timey look. Uh, you got, you got some like realism there, but the character and the plot is just, is not at all concerned with, you know, some seventies like themes. Like you can imagine this directed by like Hal Ashby, you know, like Rambo comes into town and, you know, I don't know, hooks up with an old old lady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but it kind of kicked off this, and well, obviously it kicked kicked off this series. But also, I think all the Schwarzenegger movies you mentioned, you know, that that kind of this, the, you know, but the the mise en scène, for forgive that term, but like you know, the headband and like his big arms exposed. Although it looks like it's pre uh, steroids for Stallone here. Yeah. Um, and so there's this weird kind of balance of old and new here and i don't know totally. it's, it's not really a good balance it's just kind it's of a, a it's definitely a like a a tipping a point from the movie. 70s to the 80s yeah, yeah like you because you could totally also see this movie like a totally different version of this movie directed by scorsese it's like a taxi driver of sorts sure. like oh absolutely yeah and i would like to see that yeah so, it reminds me it's like the wild bunch you guys ever seen that peck and paw movie yeah that yeah. was like it it was half a john ford sort of who, the man who shot Liberty Valance and half a Tarantino violent. Right. So it was like a transition movie. It didn't quite know where it wanted to be. Do you know Transitioning the pro- from John Ford to Tarantino. You know the performance that I think kind of li- like in real time trans tra- made that transition was the uh, Richard Crenna performance. Classic. Which, what are you talking about? Uh, which I found He's, out... He's the, he's Wait, Troutman. He's the guy he's who the, trained the him. commander, right? Yeah, who was replaced literally last minute by uh, f- uh he replaced um Kirk Douglas. <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh, that's interesting. Like Kirk Douglas was there at, in the little town, and they were, and he he quit because they wouldn't. Um, Kren is a way better choice here for that role. Well, maybe, but I thought his performance like really kind of set the tone for this and the rest of the '80s. Just coming in, you know. Yep, it totally does. <laughs> I trained him because he's the best and all that bullshit, you know. All right, we should move on. Anything else we want to say about this? I don't think so. Jeremy, are you happy that it was challenged to you? <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those, I'm like really glad I saw it. I just wish that, I, I think ultimately, I think if the PTSD and the acting had worked for me, I think I could have been behind that. Mm. But sure. that, that sort of linchpin wasn't there. All right. All right, so let's work our way up then. Uh, Lee, you should be next because I'm very interested to talk about Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, Chapin, why why did you want me to watch this? Well, I know you've seen it before, and you underappreciate it. And I love this movie, and it's one that I talk about a lot on the podcast. And it's, you know, we don't always get a chance. I feel like there's these movies we all kind of discuss and bring up and reference all the time, but we have no reason to talk about them in any depth because we're not, you know, they're not current or modern. Um, but I just... <sighs> I just love this movie and I think it's underappreciated and I think it's one that I'm worried you're not going to have fair things to say about because I know a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that hang you up on it, but I'm hoping, you know, you may have had a couple of bourbons beforehand and let some of the, you know, more pesky plot issues go uh, on this particular rewatch. Um, yeah. And then I remember very little about my first viewing of this movie i remember that the end uh lost me yep um and that was it so i was excited yeah. did to you read... even remember so for me i didn't even remember chris evan evans was in this movie yeah i didn't really um, remember that um uh, i knew killian murphy was in it i didn't remember the plot at all i i was actually i was like whoa i i've i've seen this movie yeah um and this is sort of like I, I've for I don't know why, but Chapin, I've sort of always kind of like you've sort of been like my I've always followed your lead for like Danny Boyle. I think you actually kind of introduced him to me with Sunshine. I, I think I'd probably had seen maybe Train Spotting in Twenty Eight Days Later, but I I was younger and I didn't you know put together that it was a Danny Boyle movie. And and you talked about this movie, and I I, I often agree with your take on black swan that maybe that's a movie that was great and we should not watch it again um but that's not danny boyle uh sorry not, not uh not black swan uh, 127 hours right um which was the same year and um slumdog millionaire another one that like i i think i liked when i saw it but maybe isn't that good and and then of course yesterday was last year we all hated that didn't feel like a danny boyle movie that's the freshest movie in my mind so i was like God, like, do I really know what Danny Boyle is all about? And I knew, Chapin, that you loved this movie. I do. I gotta, I, I, it's not without its flaws. I'll understand that. I yeah, understand it's that. not. But I got to say, I really loved this movie. Yeah. I thought it was Yoda. so good. I I was so captivated and entertained through this movie. And it's definitely got its problems. In the end, I still have some issues with, but though not the same issues really that I had remembered. Um, but above all, like, I, I think this is like, it's such a, like 
amazing genre piece. Like it's influenced clearly by Alien in 2001. There's so many things I can reference that were right. obviously influenced by by that, but it's also influential. Like you see you see things in this movie that I saw in Interstellar. There's things you see in The Martian like you know, things as simple as just like their room with the plants. Like you, you recognize that from the Martian. And then there's a scene where the the sun is coming over the horizon of the of the outside of the spacecraft when they're trying to fix it. And it literally, the image is almost exactly the same as the wave coming over the horizon in Interstellar. Like it was exactly the same look to me. And like I just saw all these connections, and I'm like, this is so great. Like this movie. Why is this movie underappreciated? Is a great word for it like why is this movie not talked about in the sci-fi genre because it it's its own movie it is very much its own movie but it has so many pieces of all the great sci-fi movies we talk about yeah so I can i that. just interject here because it was also like the first time i've seen it in a long time and i think it was ahead of its time totally i think it sort of just came before this new uh People weren't this ready for new it. Yeah, sci-fi renaissance that we've seen with like Arrival and Interstellar and Martian and all this stuff, and it is it is really good. I mean, I have a problem with like the anything after the Mark Strong stuff, but before that, I'm just like, this is amazing. This is an amazing sci-fi genre piece. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm glad you brought up Boyle. I, I, I do think, you know, this movie was like just perfectly suited to his gifts, you know, as a the stuff he's doing in this it's is just, just crazy like and incredible. You, you see, I mean, you know, obviously, like uh, this is going to sound really pretentious, but like the sun, you know, it's very important as, as I'm sure Jeremy knows, you've probably got the Sun Surveyor app on your phone. You know, the sun's very important to films and 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 the idea, you know, that's where our light comes from. And, and you know, we to some extent, like that's what film is all about. And, and this film is all about the fact that the sun is where all of life comes from. And, you know, the future of the universe depends on this mission to restart it. And I think just like Boyle just kind of visually, his visual aesthetic here just kind of captures that in such an original way um, that I, <clears throat> I, it just, it's almost unbelievable. And, and the visual effects I think are so good, despite it being amazing, it's a, a relatively low budget, you know, it's a $40 million movie. They had in one visual, seven. Yeah. yeah. They had one you visual think about sucks. that scene where they have to repair the, the panels. Like the that's visual the scene effects. Was, and, yeah, yeah. That's the, the scene I was talking about that was like interstellar. And, 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 and there's just this, I think like you think about these, um, scenes in, in, you know, I think what's appealing to me, one of the things that's very appealing to me about sci-fi is this imagery that you can't see anywhere else. Right. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about that with visual effects. Like, you know, I, you know, we've seen the superheroes flying around, I guess that was cool at one point, but what I love about this film is it shows you the, I mean, this thing, it's like this giant heat shield being flown towards the sun and it shows you things that you know in your mind exists in real life and have some physics to that. And 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 the way it shows you these things, you 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 believe, but there's also like this there's also like an artistry to it. There's like a um uh what am I trying to say? There's a impressionistic element to it where you're you're this is real, but it's also like uh Boyle's like interpretation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's operatic. And 
Um, I just, uh, yeah, I can't believe more people haven't seen this film. I mean, so I'm looking like this, uh, this movie bombed. Yeah, it <laughs> like bombed. Three mil, three point six million domestically. <laughs> it did better like, worldwide. But I am, I am curious. It, it did do what, better worldwide, but <laughs> what restarted this genre? Because this movie is just as good as all those other ones I named, and it just it, it wasn't. People weren't interested in it. So was it Interstellar? Did that like sort of restart this genre? No, was it Arrival? Was it that? What Interstellar was fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, Gravity was thirteen. Gravity. I bet it was gravity. Gravity's a big one. Yeah, something. And then everyone was just into space movies. But I think this is right up there with them. I'm curious though, Chapin. What the the issue I had was the like I said, the Mark Strong character coming aboard their ship and surviving, and then having that whole chaos ensue, which I seem I I felt was unnecessary. what did you feel about that? I, I think it's definitely the film's weak point. So for those who, who don't know, the um, the the mission that we are that our heroes are on are, is the Icarus Two. So it's the second it's the second version of this mission to restart the sun, and they've lost. You know, lo- the the first mission is lost, and so they they see that they that on their way to the moon or the moon the sun that would have been easy to go to the moon uh <laughs> how the fuck that going to make it yeah. they uh they see that they that they 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 found they find the the other spaceship and so the leader of that spaceship is is pinbacker who's played by mark strong and he jumps on you know he's on one ship and then they they connect and he blows i think i it's 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 def- I, I wish they would have been you know in a movie that's full of creativity i wish it didn't result in this character this sort of haunted house slasher kind of okay solution to it but that's i will say point. that i do like the character of pinbacker and i think he's an interesting one um i think his integration into the movie might not be super graceful but i like that he's you know, a, that you, in something, it's something you see that you that, that they that Boyle lays or or Garland lays little um, suggestions of beforehand of this idea of like being entranced by the sun, being um, right with Cliff Curtis, and that's character. and that's yeah. all interesting. But my take on it is they tried to like shoehorn this into being alien. Where the, they get an alien on board, essentially, it's not an alien, but you know. And that starts taking them out one by well, like. I, so wait a minute. So I I sort of have the opposite of feeling about this ending to you, as you guys. And I think I felt the way that you guys did before. I just didn't. I felt like Mark Strong's existence and how he showed up felt felt forced. And it, it is still a little bit, but it it worked better structurally this time. I I really liked how this movie kind of turned into all the best versions of a horror movie, like all the mm. best parts of alien like i I like that now i I admit there's like a stitch or two missing between acts two and three to get us there but i i liked that i think it feels a little out of place it does the 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 final act of this movie feels a little bit like a different movie a different a different type of movie but it was done all so well and i was so engaged by it I have a problem with what you're taught. What you seem to like, Chapin, is this obsession, this idolization of the sun that we see through Cliff Curtis's character, and that Mark Strong's character sort of epitomizes. I, I felt like that 
was a little ham-fisted. I, I didn't buy that. And I think that's an important piece to try to justify why mm. a burnt-to-the-crisp Mark Strong is still alive and, you know, becomes the villain of the movie. I didn't like that. But well, all the other pieces worked a little bit better for me this time. I have to admit, I liked it better. It's still, I agree, it's the weak part of the movie. And we can talk a little bit about Alex Garland and maybe where we can see that he just still hasn't really improved on getting all these pieces to connect as a, as a writer. I, I, w- I will say that the, the sun element I think is, I think is really important. And, and I, I can entertain your thought that maybe it wasn't executed 100% effectively, but I, I, I think it's really the interesting part of this movie. I mean, you know, you, if you go back and you look at 2001, which I know is a movie, especially Jeremy doesn't appreciate as much as I do, but like, you know, they're the, they're these passive people. They're, they're along for the ride on the, to Jupiter, you know? Um, and I think the choice to make these people like obsessed in a way with, with the sun just provides this other element that I don't think you would have had other way. Otherwise, I mean, you have to think these people are, have been on this ship for 16 months um, you know, I don't know about the, I don't know about the actual physics of, you know, flying towards the sun, but why don't, why don't you? Well, I'm, yeah, you know, everything else about space. Yeah, I, well, I, I dropped out of, I dropped out of, you know, uh, my back, physics, back class, my, yeah, my physics, um, <laughs> major to study film, which, you know, I've been regretting Good. ever since. So, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, like I, I think the, the the film posits that they're essentially you know because the sun is so large and they're heading right for it like it just kind of occupies this space that they're they're always in view of it which i i don't know that is actually true like if you fly to the moon the moon isn't always in your you're not always able to see it but anyways the point being it's brighter it is brighter and it's much bigger um just so you know the idea is that you know you're that they Science. become obsessed with this thing they have nothing to do on the ship you know uh, Chris Evans says that he says it's the time. It's the time we're on this. We're, you know, and they're not, they're not in, you know, uh, they're not in a hyper sleep like they are in Alien or in 2001. They're there and not doing much and just kind of maintaining the ship um, in order to deliver this thing. And I think you know the film isn't terribly concerned about that, but I think they use that particular mechanism as a way to sell this idea that the sun becomes very important to these people and i think one thing you they talk about in this film is this idea of atheism versus religion and you see that pinbacker has a sort of religious fixation with the sun and you see that the other couple people who are scientists are also feeling that as well um no it's I, a great I'll theme s- I'll it's say a great this. theme I, but i don't know if it's executed perfectly i actually sure. uh, i i want to take back a little bit what i said i actually like how it's handled with Cliff Curtis's character um, because it's just sort of dabbled like he 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 like keeps keeps trying to go back there turning up the uh, taking down one layer of the protective shield so he can get it as bright as he possibly can without you know dying and it just shows you this obsession that's interesting and kind of helps kind of de- define his character it goes into the realm of otherworldly with Mark Strong, where, like, sure. this guy should be dead. I mean, let's, come on. This is ridiculous. And and that's a little bit hard to to grasp, although this is sci-fi, it is so set in reality. Like, everything is so authentic and feels so real that when you get to that, it's, it's tough. And 
and I and that's that you know that was my hangup. That was my biggest hangup. It just it, it's and it's there, but it just doesn't matter. Like this this movie is so good and so well done. This is again. I I mentioned I want to go back. I, I want to look at some of these Danny Boyle movies now. I'm not as afraid to go back and look at 127 hours, even Slumdog, and 28 days later. I want to see these because like this has got to be the best danny boyle movie that i can remember seeing like the stuff that he is capable of like it it, i was watching this movie and i was honestly thinking about yesterday the movie yesterday and i'm like what the fuck like that sucks but like not in a way that i was like distracted but i was like you're like how could this be how could that how can this be the same directed like this is just this stuff is jeremy you said ahead of its time like both in the sense that like we weren't ready for this as as part of the sci-fi genre but also techniques that are just so incredible that he's doing his use of music that piece of music he uses at the end is just amazing it's yeah. so he, good he's always been good at that um yeah for me for me it's not an issue again i agree with everything you just said about this movie as far as its technical prowess and what i actually loved about it was it's for the for most of the movie was at stakes. Its stakes were so huge. Yeah, huge. And when people started dying, they died for those stakes and everything meant something. And that's why when Mark Strong's character came came into the picture, it be, the stakes like became something yeah. else. Yeah. They became the alien stakes. They became the survive because of this. When before they weren't surviving to complete their mission and they had like all that was just working wonderfully yeah. we didn't need to add that other element the and i get su- what the you're suicide saying is Chapin. so moving yeah i when get it- what you're saying about the religion and the sun aspect and all that 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 theme is so smart and i think that the problem is it took over the concept of the movie which it shouldn't have well, that's a great because point. they were just so they were they were just so obsessed with just like they were obsessed with the sun, I think the filmmakers were obsessed with this idea of the sun and the thematic idea of the religion and obsessing over it that they lost what was really working about this movie for three-fourths of it. Yeah, I think it's that, a it's an easy way out. I don't, you know, I don't want to call it lazy screenwriting because I think the rest of the movie is pretty good, but it's in a moment where you could have made a sort of a transcendent film... Mm-hmm. For most people, yeah. I mean, this movie, you know, like I tend to like this movie enough that I'm willing to, you know, overlook the flaws. But in a, you know, in a time when you 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 have to have them run into trouble, and so and they did though, they and did they did. You're right. Naturally, they had, right? They did naturally. So you'd have to find more ways for that to happen, and you can. But I think, um, I think. I like that. I I think the idea of having that sort of mirrored mission, I like that idea. I think it kind of it too. actually opens more. It kind of creates more structural plot problems than we may realize. I, I was thinking about it this viewing that I was like, does, does all this add up? But um, you know, like well, the, the, the Killian Murphy looks pretty young for uh, having designed an interstellar bomb yeah, an, that creates bomb. all the fissile material in the world and he did it twice and he did it seven years or eight years before when he was yeah. 15 yeah. so a couple of things a couple of things one one thing that i think really epitomizes the point that you made jeremy which i think is a great point about the stakes before mark strong comes on board and these characters you know dying for this mission that is essentially there to save mankind one that is explained to us 
you know, in a very efficient way. We we know this, we understand, and we appreciate the stakes. But when Benedict Wong's character commits suicide, so he changed the trajectory of the ship when the decision is made to go and try to find the original Icarus that they see. Um, but he forgets to do one thing, which is to turn the shield protecting the sun. Uh, and it damages the ship, and it's basically a snowball effect that leads to a number of different things, and people die. And they make this decision that they're going to kill him. Long story short, they're going to make this decision to kill him just to preserve oxygen for fewer crew members. And they go to do it, and he's killed himself out of guilt. And it's just a it's a great example oh, of the point, the point yeah. you're making about these characters are sacrificing themselves for this mission, and that's great. The point you made, Chapin, about the writing in this movie that I think is really interesting is how maybe the script gets away from Alex Garland a little bit. He wrote this script, and it it veers into this direction of the horror movie, the alien aspect, the monster movie, whatever you, the haunted house, whatever you want to call yeah. it. We criticized him in Annihilation of, of having an ending, veering into a direction where anything is possible, where he's changing the trajectory of his movie, where... It, it's all the pieces we've seen up to that point don't matter anymore because of what he's showing us now. And it's got to be a trend. I mean, I'd be curious to go back and watch Ex Machina, which is a movie I really like. And he also directed uh, and wrote. And again, 28 Days Later is another one. I'd be curious to kind of go back and see that. It's been even longer. Um, Did Alex Garland have anything to do with 28 he, Days Later? He wrote yeah, that he wrote too, it. didn't he? He wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny Boyle directed it. So this is their second collaboration. So it, it's it's interesting. I'd be curious to see how much that trend exists. Um, he also wrote uh, Never Let Me Go. He adapted the um, book uh, Never Let Me Go. And that's another movie where everything doesn't really tie together completely. And that's based on a book, but um, so is Annihilation. Anyway, it's, uh, I'd be curious to kind of see how much that trend exists. Um, a couple other things I, I, I just want to kind of uh, rave over some of the acting in this movie and some of the characters. Killian Murphy and Rose Byrne, I really liked both of them mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, I thought both of them, you learn so much about them. You like them so much, and they're the quietest characters, which I thought was an interesting choice. And, and, and Rose Byrne to is an interesting casting for this. It's, and she's You've adorable. never seen her like, in that before. She's such an off type. She's so sweet, and like, but she's smart and like, like well established and she's really good a, a really well written character and it's um, a, and but you know uh, uh, we should point out a break i mean all both women all women both women in this that you know they're not nobody's wearing any makeup or you know they 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 have this they cultivate yeah. this look of them being you know kind of dirty and grimy on this ship for a year and a half so part of um i read this and this was i thought was very astute um Part of Michael Phillips' review of this movie was, Sunshine is a near-classic modern science fiction, hobbled only by a chaotic final reel and some casting missteps in the white male department. Anybody have any thoughts on the white male that was miscast? Chris Evans was terrible in this. I liked him. He's he's not good. You end up liking his character, I think, and that ends up being okay. But I don't think he's good. For the same reason he's not good in anything, like... I just think he's think not he's a good actor. I think he's fine in this. I think. Why didn't he, he just say Chris I think Evans? He's, why did, I think why did he's, he have to dance? I, don't know. I think I because if I only had two pointed out it was this, the guess, Troy Garrity character of Harvey. I think Troy Garrity was terrible in this movie. He's a he has a weird kind of affect. I will definitely agree with you there. I I, I thought Chris Evans outacted him, and I said that out loud. I was like. 
well, you know you're not doing good if Chris Evans is out acting you in this in this scene. And I think he did. But Lee, um, that's a good point. I think you're right about his character. I mean, he just he you you like him because he makes tough but rational decisions. Well, and it's a, it's another good example of a well-written character because you really don't like him at the beginning. He's an asshole and he's clearly sort of like the antagonist to Killian Murphy and like is stirring up problems and and they do that intentionally but you realize he's right a lot of the times and he knows he's right and I think all that works um I'm also just curious about like Mark Strong's career like he's a good actor and yeah but you never see like, him in like it's not well, you, you can't don't even blame him it's he's just like a shadow in oh I, I'm not even talking about this movie I'm just talking about in general like he's yeah. like he's best known for playing Moriarty in the uh, Sherlock movies directed by um, what's his name? You know, Who? Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, that's I, what I'm not anybody a fan knows of him, him from, as an actor. You're not. I, I he, like him, but no, I'm not. And I think he was actually even bad in this when you couldn't even really tell it was him. So I don't know. There's something about him that's off-putting and distracting, and not in a way that I've seen any director utilize. To their advantage, I think maybe, um, maybe I like him because like I, I when, once I realized he wasn't Andy Garcia. I like him in uh, he's good in Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. He's in uh, your favorite movie of all time, nineteen seventeen, Jeremy. Is he? Yeah, he's got a little small part. Yeah, small part. Um, thank you for the challenge, Chapin. I thoroughly enjoyed Sunshine. I'm trying to see if there's anything else I want to. Yeah. Well, let's uh, uh, if 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 people uh, if you if you uh, visited Sunshine for the first time because of this podcast, we'd love to hear from you if you guys agree or disagree. So let us know feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast dot com. Right, are we on to the last film? Yeah. Now this is gonna this is the one I'm most curious about. So initially, I was gonna challenge you to Mystic River, Chapin, because I know it's a movie you're not high on and it's a movie lee and i really loved especially when it came out and um we have we haven't seen it i'm assuming lee you haven't seen it in years so but then we we uh did the usual suspects and we talked about the unreliable narrator and you said you hadn't seen rashomon and i was like well that would actually be a perfect revisit for all of us because i don't know if i'd seen it since college um so i'm assuming we all rewatched it uh and uh let's Let's start with you, Chapin. First impressions. I liked it. I liked it. Um, you know, one of the things I appreciate about Kurosawa, and I haven't seen a ton of his movies, but the ones I have seen I've really enjoyed, uh, is the is the scale, the epic scale of his films. I think he really knows how to move the camera. Um, there's a great uh, Every Frame of Painting uh, YouTube video that talks about Kurosawa, I believe that that's um, who who made that video, which is worth checking out on camera movement. Uh, but this was an earlier movie. This was like one of his first. I think it's the, his sort of breakout movie that won, I believe, the um, Berlin Film Festival. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I'll tell um, you right now, it won the Golden Bear. Or something well, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Art Direction. It's interesting. Okay. Um, so nominee for the DGA, uh, nominee for best film at the BAFTAs. Anyway, go on, Chapin. So it came out in 1950. Ven- Venice. It won, won the Golden won, yeah, Lion I'm at sorry, Venice. It won the, it won the Golden Lion at Venice. Um, 
And then he kind of went on to bigger, bigger things. I would assume so. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, the, the whole idea of, you know, the film being told from these different perspectives is, was, was really smart. And I think apropos of our conversation with, uh, the usual suspects, because you, there are a lot of those same elements. It's like, you know, you're, you're essentially being misled throughout the entire movie. This, the whole, the whole point of the film is about the different perspectives that, that these people these people um, encountered, but I will say that I, you know, I, 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 I've come to expect a little more visual panache from um, Kurosawa, and there, there is some of that there. But I felt, you know, I was a little disappointed in the scale, which is unfair very, to the film. You know, you're it's going very ba- small. Yeah, yeah, you're going back, and you're, you know, you're essentially in three locations. Um, the visuals are still stunning, uh, setting the sort of modern, the sort of the the primary narrative I should say in a sort of broken down Japanese I don't know what that was but uh, but in the rain was just gorgeous uh, I was sort of stunned by how well they seemed to light the forest up in those scenes um, and and so I enjoyed it I I don't think I I I don't think it touches Seven Samurai or um, one of my favorites Throne of Blood but um, I liked it. Yeah, I think I think I was a little underwhelmed this time around because I think where this movie gets a lot of its credit and deservingly so is because of how innovative it was to talk about how So, if I had to compare this to Usual Suspects, the Usual Su- Suspects I think it was commenting on film itself and how it's sort of making up stories for us whereas this movie I think is talking about humanity and how people sort of tell their own versions of Mm. their reality based on, you know, what benefits them um, and how selfish people are. So Rashomon is more of about a a human element, whereas I think The Usual Suspects is more on an entertainment level of why it does it. And Rashomon is one of the first movies to ever sort of do that to to show an audience that you could tell a story from three different perspectives that are wildly different and that's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around as an audience member because every one of these stories so basically it's based on somebody gets murdered this guy gets murdered and then uh the person the bandit the wife and the the guy himself who died are telling the the three versions of the story and in each version of the story they're the killers so they're wildly different versions so it's not like a little misplacement here or a little um you know lie there it, it everything's big so as an audience member you're like whoa i mean we're we're way off course here so that can be hard to take in i think mm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Jeremy. I, I think maybe for slightly different reasons, though. Um, but I was, you know, underwhelmed sounds worse than it was. It's just it wasn't the the, the jaw dropping experience that it was the first yeah. time, which is understandable. Um, I think I was a little bit thrown by the lack of scale as well, Chapin. I, I I also appreciate movies like Seven Samurai and Ron and things like that that are just 
this these epics and and so masterfully done uh and this is so small i mean this is i, I this says on imdb it's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget i don't yeah. you know that's crazy i don't know if that's true or not but oh 1950 um, sure i mean it's t- certainly possible it's but it, and it looks but it looks very low budget it, it it even has like a lot of elements of silent film like the performances are very silent film era like and and that so was what a, did you, what did, i was thing. curious what you guys thought of uh tashiro mifune's performance are, are, are we allowed to <laughs> I don't know I was thinking that about anymore? that I was like are we going to be able to do that uh, that's um, really that's really the only reason I assigned this movie. yeah we'll have to do that off air um so yeah I, I think the scale th- the lack of scale kind of threw me a little bit um to me though I, I I really I really appreciated the story. Like to me, this movie is about honor. Like that's all this is. Like that's why each of these in each of these uh, individual perspectives, the the characters are accusing themselves of the murder. They're they're taking the blame for the murder. They're taking the responsibility of the murder. Uh, and I think that's very interesting. And it ties in a little bit to the ending, which I'm not totally sure I understand with the baby, but I think there's just this element of honor and like responsibility that these characters are all sort of upholding. And I, and I liked that theme that was throughout this movie and all that stuff worked. And it just, it just didn't have the same effect as it did the first time, because while you're saying like, it's so innovative, like to tell these stories from, you know, all these different perspectives and to tie it together into one film, this is probably the, that was 1950. But when I saw this in college in 2003 or whatever, 2004, it was probably the first time I'd seen something like this. And, and, and seeing like how, like, this is an example of how you can do what you want with film and do what you want to tell a story. And I, and I always remembered that as such an innovative and amazing thing. And obviously as film students, there's a very important piece of this movie in history and how how the, the term Rashomon has sort of built its way into the lexicon when you're talking about movies and how they're structured. So all that was there. And then just watching this, I was like, all you know, you take all of that stuff out and I'm like, this is a B. Like, you know, <laughs> like... Which is unfair because this movie is way better than that. But just in terms of like how I enjoyed it, like that's what it was this time around. And I, I was slightly disappointed by that. But mm. that's not to say that this is a disappointing movie. It's it's actually an amazing film. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my I, some of my favorite parts. I I I love that in Tashira Mifune's character, the the bandits mo- confession. They they go to battle and have this you know, epic kind of sword fight, but then the reality, or at least the reality as told by one of the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. The eyewitness is that it was this sort of pathetic kind of haunting. um, Oh yeah. I laughed out loud at that. The eyewitnesses sword fight version where they just keep falling and tripping over. And and at the end, like they're just, they're both terrified of what they have to do. And neither have any honor um i think that was fascinating yeah that stuff's great like i and and i think that's what's interesting about this movie is like 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like it is, maybe the, it, maybe it's not, but I feel like it's sort of rare to leave a movie and being like, the theme of this movie was the most amazing piece. It was the most interesting. It was the most well done. It was the most captivating. Like, sure, that and, is interesting, yeah. And, and that is here. Like, the, the all the ways that this the honor or lack of honor is explored in all these different perspectives is the greatest part of this movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the visuals that we're used to with Kurosawa. It's not the scale. It's not the acting. It's not any of the things that we usually talk about. It's not even that the story is all that interesting. Yeah. It's, I, I, what I did find interesting. So there's very few things that they all agreed on that every one of these stories. And, and technically, there are four stories. Right. Because yeah. there's the the good, the witness. The and the cutter. one thing they all agreed on was there was a rape in this. Um. And I think they treated that a little bit. And I know it was 1950, but that all, that felt a little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable to me how they treated it so casually. Every single story. Well, that was, was the honor piece with the wife, though, that I thought was really interesting. Like she and and look, this is a a, a, a different time and a, and a different culture. So I don't. It's I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know if we can judge it for. But I mean, you're right. Like it's totally treated like like complete completely irreverently like it's just like oh <laughs> part of but, the story part of the story I, and i love in the band like, and it's story. also like the afterthought of the crime like yeah. it's in not even like really about the murder he's in not even like, oh, what he's on trial you can for tell, it's like she's into it <laughs> but yeah. only in the band yeah, yeah, story yeah. <laughs> but but that's the honor piece is that like she she is dealing with this idea of like she's now slept with another man so like she can only only one of these men that she's slept with can be alive or like, or like her honor is shot. And like, that's a pretty fucked up way to like, you know, handle rape, like <laughs> kill the, kill one of them. And then it's, it's solved. But that's, yeah. that's not the culture and the time that we live in. Like it's just, no, and, uh, of course, of and course. I, and yeah. I think, uh, but I think that that was just another interesting piece. It's not just about who kills, uh, kills the guy. It's not just about that piece of the honor. It's also her, coming to terms with like how she can go on living after this has happened and like how she processes and how she handles that and what needs to happen for her to be able to move on with her life. And I thought that was another interesting piece. I have a question for you guys. Um, this movie was set in a kind of a unspecified time. And I think maybe the same is for seven samurai. And I know a lot of Kurosawa films are, um, do you guys, was that unique for you guys? Like, I feel as if, and, and maybe it's just our missing, we don't. I love that. I love that question. We don't understand the like, um, you know, visual cues of the costuming or the, right. you know, mise en scene, like that we don't I, know what time it is. But was like, that, was that 1600? Was that 1500? Was right. that 1800? Like, w- that always works. Like that, that works in Game of Thrones. Like. No, but Game of Thrones, it's not, it's not the, you know, 21st century in the Game of Thrones. Yeah, but it's yeah, not, it's, it's not, not here, here either. Yeah. It's like, it's, you don't know exactly when it, you yeah, know, it's some point right. in history that it, it, like Game of Thrones, like, like, obviously it needed to just for what it is, but like, there's a version of that story that could be set in modern day, totally different, like, show, but like. Well, we don't have dragons anymore, like the past. Right. Exactly. Right. So that's the linchpin. But, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we know it's a time period when nobody watching it was alive. But I guess, is this like, 
is this like Japan's Western? You know, like the sam. I, I mean, think so. And, and yeah. it's not really a samurai film because I guess there's one samurai in it, but like, you know, the the later Kurosawa works are, you know, fo- focus on. I mean, would we look at that and be like, oh, that's the that's the Middle Ages, or that's the you know, like, is it yeah. that we don't know, or is it that we because we're not you know sort of an indefi- into- it's sort of an indefinable time period it really is like middle ages i, love I that, guess like, it's, i it's love a- that it is i like that you too can car- you can carry a sword and you can matter. defend yeah. defend a village i love that if you can carry a sword and defend a village i'm i'm on i'm sign me up beautiful mm. <laughs> sounds similar to what people are doing and that's not great yeah <laughs> I said sword. As long as it's a sword. <laughs> yeah. And 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 then you can uh you can take down dragons. As long as you can take down dragons. Well, you have I mean, I think you th- that's how you get like a certain well, that's how you get like a s- samurai. It's not knighted back then. I should go down Tiny. to the the Portland protest with a samurai sword dressed, you know, in the in that old armor and, you know, see if yeah, see what be, I can do. You'll be on the front page tomorrow. Just see just see like which group sides with you yeah like, i just because that's just an interesting sociological experiment definitely like, definitely <laughs> like well he's got a weapon but it's not a gun so i don't yeah, know if it's, it's a second a gun, amendment but thing. it is a sword hmm. he does look like a kind of a loner so uh, that's not good it could well, be an, it could the, be an incel you have the samurai <laughs> he has a samurai ponytail that's right, true right right oh, they might just think that. you're a real samurai yeah that'd be cool Maybe they try to buy me, like like buy my services. Come fight for our team. Mm. Well, <laughs> we can only. So now we're talking about buying minorities. Chave's <laughs> not a minority. I know, but the samurai were Japanese, and yeah, they're not minorities in Japan, though. All right, but well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Bill Fix <laughs> Before podcast. We go down into the- I've been Chapin Hemingway, joined by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk. Um, boys, what are we doing next? This was fun. I mean, we, I, I'd love to do this more often, but uh, I know we got a couple things on the docket. We got the old, uh, the old uh, Sofia Coppola retrospective that we've maybe been working on. But what are we doing next? Well, Charlie Kaufman's new movie comes out Friday. Oh, mm. then we definitely got to do that. that um, I'm very excited about that. I'm thinking of ending things. Hmm. And I believe that's going to be podcast. I believe that's going to be on <laughs> I knew Netflix. This is going to happen. Um, I've uh, read no, that I book, we, guys. It's not often that. that we get to to have that perspective either on the pod. So you've read the book, cool. I have, yeah. It's a really short book, and somehow Coffin made it a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie. So that's that's great. Jesse right, Plemons. So Jesse Jeff, Plemons he's on, and he's Jesse my, Buckley. In my actor, uh, actor. Uh, what do we call it? Entourage. Nope, yeah. troop. He's not in your entourage. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's got a bunch around. of famous actors yeah. that just follow him around. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.